This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lambert. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us today, and we hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Would you feel comfortable taking your car to a mechanic who had never worked on a car before in his life? But wait, what if I told you he had read the manual completely through, maybe even more than once? Would you still trust him? Would you let him work on your car? Probably not. And this has been something I've found true in my own life. There's sort of an interesting thing that happens when young students go off to college. They learn a lot of information. And the same was true for me when I went to Bible college and then to seminary. I learned a lot about the Bible and about ministry. But I didn't get many opportunities to practice it. Sure, I did some internships and I did some practicums, but I wasn't in the life of a daily pastor hitting the trenches with people day in and day out. Having since graduated and put those many years behind me, I've had many more opportunities to walk with people, and I can tell you something. It is very different to walk with other people than just to simply learn about walking with them in the classroom. And as adults, we learn in a very specific way. We have to learn by doing. And to talk with us again about these themes is Daniel M. Daniel M. is the Director of Church Multiplication for NewChurches.com at Lifeway Christian Resources. He serves as a teaching pastor at The Fellowship, a multi-site church in Nashville. He's the author of No Silver Bullets, Five Small Shifts That Will Transform Your Ministry, and Planting Missional Churches, Your Guide to Starting Churches That Multiply. He also co-hosts the New Churches Q&A podcast, the Five Leadership Questions podcast, and a brand new podcast with his wife on marriage and parenting called The In-Between Podcast. He has an MA in Global Leadership and has served and pastored in church plants in multi-site churches ranging from 100 people to 50,000 people in Vancouver, Ottawa, Montreal, Korea, Edmonton, and Nashville. He's a scholar practitioner who can not only create theory, but also implement it in an innovative way to solve problems. His experience and strength is in creating alignment and momentum within teams and churches by implementing strategies and systems to move the church towards multiplication. In other words, he's a strategic thinker that can produce rather than a strategic thinker that can muse. He's been married to his wife, Christina, since 2006, and they have three children. In today's chapter, we're going to be talking a little bit about this theme, how adults learn best. We're going to start off with the 70-20-10 principle and then jump into one of my favorite topics, which is the flipped classroom. As an educator working in the education industry, the flipped classroom model is very powerful for helping not just adults, but people of all ages learn something and then apply it directly. And this is so important for us as adults because studies have shown that if we do not practice it, we do not learn it as well. And so we have to begin putting our hands on the plow and get our hands dirty. Because it's one thing to know the information, and it's something completely different to practice it. 
So as you listen to this episode, I would challenge you, begin looking for ways that you can begin practicing the things that you know, but maybe you're not yet doing. I really want to ask you about the, the 70 um, 2010 principle in this chapter as well, uh, because it hits on the, way, the unique ways in which adults learn specifically. So could you talk to us a little bit about what the 70-20-10 principle is? We hear a lot about the 80-20 principle, but so this is a little different. Yeah, so this is this is a adult, adult education theory concept, um, originally from Dr. Alan Tuff. And basically, the whole idea of the 70-20-10, uh, it, it says that 70% of our learning comes by doing, right? So informal, on-the-job development, trial and error, growing and experience. So learning by doing is about 70%. 20% of our learning comes through interaction. So that's the idea of receiving informal feedback from others or, or even more formal coaching and mentoring relationships. And so a lot of this learning is um, coming through relationships and through others. And the last 10% is through listening. So conferences, seminars, courses, structured, formal education. So the fascinating thing about the 70-20-10 principle is um, another thing. So I'm a part of the team at Lifeway, Lifeway Leadership, and, and we do a lot of consulting and coaching with church leaders to better develop leaders in their church. And, and one of the principles we have here is the idea that transformation is the intersection point of knowledge, experience, and coaching. Right. So two very different paradigms. They're two different paradigms, but they overlap really well. Right. So you need so think about driving, right? Driving your car or, or or learning how to drive your car. You need to before you got your permit, you had to study, right? You needed the knowledge. Right. So you needed to learn by listening or learn by reading, you know, the formal class, driver's ed or whatnot. Like you had to do that. You're not just born a natural driver. And even if you are, you still need to know the rules of the road, right? So you need to it's that ten percent, it's that knowledge. Well, uh, I, I mean, honestly, after that, you have to actually do the experience, right? So knowledge, and then you also have it to drive. But you don't just drive, right? Learn by doing. You don't just drive by yourself. You need to drive with someone else. You need coaching. You need interaction because you don't know what you don't know, right? And when you're on the road, I don't know if you guys remember the first time you were driving. It was like I knew everything about driving, right? Even I was like, oh, yeah. I, I knew everything you know, being a backseat driver, you know, uh, but then when I actually stepped in the driver's seat, I knew nothing. And it was that idea of knowledge, experience, and coaching. So when it comes to the 70-20-10 principle in your discipleship relationships, is your, are, your, are the people you disciple, are, are, are they being discipled by you 100% just talking? Or is it maybe 70% they're listening 20% you're interacting with one another and 10% they're doing, which a lot of times that's what it is. Well, that's not how adults learn. So it's just a fascinating concept to say, okay, in light of that, man, once again, we disciple the way that we've been discipled. And most of us were not discipled via adult education principles. Uh, we were a disciple, we which is andragogy, which is the technical term. We were discipled through pedagogy. Right, the the principle of child education, where the child has is a blank slate, and we need to impart our knowledge upon them. But that's not how adults learn, and that's not how we are engaged. You talk about a little bit later in the book too um, another model that has really been popular 
um, well, for adult learning especially, which is the flipped classroom. And we're huge fans of the flipped classroom. And, you know, you say we're not trying to turn discipleship into just sort of like digitized materials here, go online, read this and do that. Um, could you talk about how then the the flipped classroom model, maybe we need to define what that is, um, how that fits into this model of the 70-20-10 principle? Yeah, I mean, the flipped classroom model is, um, it, we could spend a lot of time talking about what it is and how effective it is and how it's been going and all that, and how it's transforming modern day education. We don't have to. Uh, but the neat thing about the flip classroom just super quickly is you literally flip the classroom, right? So instead of lecture being in the classroom and homework being done at home, lecture is at home, homework is in the classroom. And the beauty of all that is it goes to the 70-20-10 principle in that uh, you're able to interact more. You learn more by doing class projects, case studies, interacting with other people about the material rather than just sitting back and listening. So the cool thing about the flipped classroom model, especially in your church context, and this is what we do at my church when it comes to leadership development, churches that I've helped when it comes to leadership development, and at my church when it comes to discipleship in our small groups, we flip the classroom where if we're doing a video-based, um, you know, if we're doing a video-based Bible study or small group material, we'll, instead of watching it together as a group, they'll actually watch it at home. Right? They'll watch it themselves. And then when we get together, instead of spending 15 to 30 minutes in front of a TV, um, we'll actually just eat and we interact and we get strained to the material and we can have more time for that and for prayer. And even if it's, let's say you're not using a video and you're doing more of a teaching approach, well, even then, is, that, is, that, is, is everyone sitting around listening to you teach for 20 minutes, is that really effective in a small group environment? right? With 10 to 12 people. Preaching is different, right? Honestly, when it comes to, and house church, if you're a house church, think about ways you can integrate 70-20-10 because environmentally, right? And that's, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because we do end up, I, you know, talking about spaces and social spaces and all that stuff. But the whole idea is if you are in a, in a traditional church setting and you, you're 70 plus people, 100 plus people, and you're, um, I mean, there is a place for learning by listening through inspiration, through the preaching and the exhortation of the word. And, and there is a place for that, right? It's not, this, it's not the 70, 20, 0, right? There's still, we still need to learn, right? There still needs to be the knowledge piece. There still needs to be learning by listening. But I don't think every other every other venue in the church, small group, development, training, all the, I don't think all of that should be the listing. Those are the environments where there needs to be more interaction and more doing. Yeah, you're just pointing out that we've got a disparity on where our emphasis has been. Completely. Where sort of all of the discipleship has just been put on the Sunday morning sermon yes. by the pastor, and we've forgotten the rest of it. Yeah. And it does. It kind of seems like it builds a nice uh, stairwell, or stairway. Sorry, um, from like preaching. If that's going to be your ten percent, maybe your small group discussions then becomes your twenty. It, it is that time to sort of walk out with another group of believers, and, and hopefully you've got somebody who's a little bit more mature at the helm. And then there's got to be that seventy percent of you're really walking with one or two, a few other close friends. And you're in the thick of it. That's your day in and day out, trying to figure out what it looks like to to walk a discipleship lifestyle yeah. in the 21st century. Yes. Yeah, completely. So I think that's really helpful. So show us or, or 
you alluded to it a little bit. So what does your small groups look like if you're doing sort of the video presentation? Josh and I um, had started uh, planting a house church, and so we were trying to do some of this stuff. But I think uh, I think what you're pointing out is something that we missed a little bit along the way. So I'm really curious to see what your time together actually looks like. Yeah, so it's basically, I mean, everyone's learning. And if you're reading a book or if you're doing a study or watching, you know, all of that is done outside because then people can do it at their own pace on the go. And so many people have the, these dead spaces throughout the day, commute, this or that. And, you know, that everyone can listen and learn. And, you know, there's, there's all that, right? So all of that is done outside. But the key is there needs to be some level of accountability, some level of check to make sure that they do it. Right. And once again, the point isn't getting through the lecture. The point is, do you understand the point of the lecture and of the point? Right. So part of it is, you know, it's okay. Instead of, let's say there's a study before they come to the group. uh, Why don't you post on your group's Facebook page or why don't you come ready to talk about the one takeaway or, or maybe not that maybe one of the things you start off with is what was your what was the one thing that stuck out to you about the movie? Right. And then you're not playing the the classroom teacher and saying, did you watch the movie? Did you watch the clip? Did you watch? Oh, you didn't. Oh, how, you know, shame on you. And, you know, you make fun of them. But rather, it's it's a different way to get at comprehension. And if someone didn't watch it, I mean, they're soon they're quickly going to be like, oh, yikes, I couldn't. You know, they're going to feel it themselves. Right. They're going to feel that. So, you know, have some some level of accountability to make sure that people watch it or that some that people get it right? That people get it. Well, once you do that and they get together, practically speaking, our life groups, basically, uh, we rotate homes and, and, and that's because it's, it's a lot to host. And a lot of people tend to have the gift of hospitality, not everyone, but more people than, um, I, I find there, there are probably more people who have the gift of hospitality than the gift of teaching. Um, and most people are willing to open up their homes and all that stuff, but they won't teach. Right. So, we rotate homes and we eat together 30, 40 minutes. And then after that, we then discuss for another 30, 40. And then we, we pray for the remainder of the time, sometimes, you know, give and take here and there. So, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what our small group looks like right now. That's cool. We actually at uh church, I was a associate youth pastor at in the small groups that we had, we actually made it a rule that the, the one teaching could not be the host. Just so that they were, they were each allowed to kind of devote their time to what they were doing best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we I had a similar that. rule when uh, yeah. in our youth cell groups as well. So yeah, it is cool. And um, and I love that point about not shaming because I mean that's the difficult part. How do you hold somebody accountable without you know putting that pressure on them and then making them feel like they're right back in you know third grade third grade classroom feeling like. You know, you didn't do your seat work or something like that. And um, and we're not going to get to it in this conversation. So that's why you need to go out and buy uh, No Silver Bullets, because you actually get into that more in Chapter 4 when you're talking about form to function, yeah. in that you need to really work on creating an environment where people actually want to be. Yeah. So you, you've created that sense of community. Yeah. But completely. the thing that I'm... Yeah. So the thing that I really wanted to dig on with you sort of as our last topic is this idea that we've hit on several times now, and I've been dancing around it because I am personally most interested in this, and that is how do we actually break the habit of teaching others or doing things the way that we have seen 
and learned in the past. Because, so from my experience, I went to seminary, you know, went to Bible college, went to seminary, and I learned all of this wonderful stuff about how to interpret the Bible, what the gospel is. And I mean, it's nothing to the sermons and pastors and teachers and leaders that I had before. They did the best that they could, and they did great. But I saw and experienced new things that I wanted to give to people. But it's very hard to do that because I find myself defaulting back to the way I've heard everybody else always preach. So how do we go about being intentional about making those shifts so that we can break out of those habits? Yeah. So being a good question asker, you know, being able to ask questions well and actually discipling through questions um, I mean, is a, I mean, that's, that's what Jesus did, right? I mean, he was a great question asker, parable storyteller, uh, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's that aspect of it, if, of even, even to the point of, Hey, I can ask a question and this goes back to the principles of coaching. I can ask a question that'll, and, and, and they will try, I will help the person I'm discipling get to the answer. It might take longer than me just telling them the answer in two minutes and me teaching them, but it's going to be more memorable and it's going to be more contextual because I asked the questions and, and they're the one that's processing through the material, right? So being patient, I mean, you know, it says in the scriptures, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry and abounding in love, right? So uh, being quick to listen and slow to speak and a really good question asker is going to be great when it comes to discipleship. The other way you break it is by really reflecting and asking yourself questions and not assuming, right? I mean, we get, we so often get stuck in nostalgia, right? And nostalgia when it comes to leadership as well. And nostalgia is, you know, you erase the negatives, you erase the blemishes and you over, you underemphasize them, them and you overemphasize the good. So when it comes to all of that, it's okay, if that's the case, and if that's what we often do, well, let's start asking ourselves the questions and really uncover why we do what we do, which is why I have so many questions and assessments and reflections, uh, time for, for reflections through, not just at the end of the chapter, but in and in through the chapter. Cause I'm like, Hey, I could write 10 pages to give you this concept, but you taking 10 minutes to answer these questions yourself is going to get you there faster. So having that approach, I love what Sun Shu said. He's the author of The Art of War. And this is a paraphrase, but he basically said, you know, if you know your enemy, you're going to win half the time. But if you know yourself, you win the other half. And how often do we spend our lives learning about the others, learning about the enemy, not the enemy really per se, but the church down the road that's successful or that from that book for this book. And, And we need to learn from sources outside of ourselves, but we can't neglect who God has created us to be because there's as much learning in that. Um, than as, as there is looking outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, as you're talking, sort of, I'm trying to process that. And when you talk about coaching and knowing yourself, it seems like a big part of that is also just being confident in who you are, who God has created you to be, and really dealing with the fear. Because you you tend to want to be the uh, the sage when you have something to prove, when you think you're you know, it's about you. So you're going to default back to the things that um, you have previously heard, people that you respected and looked up to, rather than shifting it and saying, it's not about me, but it's about the people I'm trying to serve. How can I best lead them so that they can learn? Yeah, precisely. I love that. 
Well, Daniel, we didn't get to all of the uh, the micro shifts, but that's okay because I think this has been a really good uh, walkthrough of, of some of the first three, and people need to go out and check out your book, No Silver Bullets. Where can people go to find more about you and your book? Yeah, so I'm on the social media platforms um, on all of them. The easiest way to find me is just go to danielm.com. My last name is two letters, I-M. So just danielm.com, and you'll see links to everywhere. Uh, but if you want to go straight on social media, it's Daniel Sangi. So S-A-N-G-I is my Korean name, Sangi. Uh, so that's my handle on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and such. And I'd love to get connected. Awesome. And we will have links to everything in the show notes as always. So you guys can be sure to go there and check them out. Um, Perfect. Daniel, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, and thanks for being willing to share this with us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.